I want to talk about um, something that's become kind of a hot topic or maybe kind of a scary one. Um, and I, and I, it came to me, and then I got to thinking about it later. I thought, oh, this, this could be a problem for somebody. But it, it's, I, I want to talk about justice today. Because um, you can't know God without knowing his justice. Uh, any justice comes from him. Um, but what, what is that? And, and, and it's something that's kind of become an issue in our country today. But I don't want to get into the political side of it as much as I want to get into the God side of it and say, so, so what, what does it mean to have justice? And all of us are, are, uh, are subjects of a need for this. What is uh, what is justice, and does it really make that much difference to us? And so, you know, I, um, again, Angela is uh, is going to be our next justice of the peace, as long as you all get out and vote. Um, uh, but, and I referred to this last week, I had her competitor text me, and, and I started querying this... Uh, this text uh, saying, so what do you feel about abortion and what do you feel about some of these other things? Be-? And then the answer was wrong. And so I completely let her know that she's completely disqualified. <laughs> um, but it does go to the heart. What, what is justice? It's righteousness, isn't it? It's, it's when something has been out of, out of place that needs to be put back in place. And a lot of times there needs to be some punishment administered too. Right, there needs to be some retribution uh, that is that is carried out, and um, so it becomes a very important. You know, we had we were sitting at this table, and and I didn't realize this. A, a constable was sitting at our table. It's the constable that's for our area here. I forget his name. Isn't that terrible? Um, yeah, I <laughs> but I didn't realize how many different levels actually constables are above the sheriffs. In Texas, is it's man? There's, there's so many of them. Um, you could probably help me with this, but, but, you don't have a society unless you have somebody that's enforcing justice. Right. Um, and, and so it's very necessary to have somebody deciding. And what are they deciding? They're deciding what is right and what is wrong. Is that right? And, and it's interesting that, that you, can, you can presume to have an understanding or decide what's right or wrong and completely uh, disallow the one who established what is right and wrong. So there's a necessity of, of including God. If there is going to be justice, man, you better acknowledge the only one that is really a just. Because what happens, as soon as you start deciding that I can decide something, it becomes very perilous, becomes very dangerous. In fact, justice in, with the wrong perspective becomes dangerous. It's, it's, not, it's not a positive thing if it's in the wrong hands or if it's coming from the wrong uh, perspective. Okay, so I want to go through some some verses and kind of look at what's, what happens, that how, how God's perspective is on this, because God is a just God. You don't get by with anything with God. He will not be mocked. What you sow, you get. You sow into the kingdom, you're going to get kingdom life. You go and sow somewhere else, that's what you're going to get. And it might look like things are okay for a little while. 
And this is the disillusionment of things. You go back through history. There's been all kinds of, of, of regimes, of countries, of nations, of kings that they look like they're okay for a while. But you're not getting by with it for, forever. There's, there's, God's a just God. And part of the reason why that there's a period that seems like things are okay when things are not is because God is a just God. And we'll see the necessity of a godly justice isn't just to condemn. It's to reconcile. So justice isn't just meant to, to indict. It's meant to compel. Okay? So let's just go through this real quick. So what does it take for there to be justice? If nothing went wrong, if there wasn't anything going wrong, you wouldn't even need it, would you? Maybe that's how heaven's going to be, right? We won't even need any constables or justice of the peace or anything like that. Why? Because nothing's going to be wrong. But, but as soon as there's something out of sorts, you need something in place to take care of it. Is that right? Now, we, we all will, will fall into this to some degree. It's because what I want us to see that there's not just a need for a social justice system... But we are all participating in a justice system ourselves. We are always making judgments about somebody. We're always, and, and <laughs> I don't want to get ahead of myself here too much, but, but we need to understand that, that we set ourselves as deciders of what is right and wrong continually. And what the enemy will do is he will try to use what we do in that regard to actually cause more damage than good. And a lot of times what we're going through in our life with oppression, with depression, it's partly because we've been operating from a wrong justice system ourselves. We're all participants in this, okay? <laughs> so... Let's just look at this. So how, how are we participants? What does it take to have justice? First, there has to be an offense, doesn't there? Something has to be, somebody has to have violated some kind of either moral, you know, some of the moral laws, just the natural laws. That's something we found out with the biblical citizenship thing. There's a lot of natural laws that, man, you just don't even, you don't have to have something written out. It's just the way it is, right? So anytime there's a violation of something, there's a need for justice, right? Might need some help with this, but uh, you can. Um, and then there needs to be somebody that's going to make a, a, that decision. Now, it can be the person that's, that's going through it. But a lot of times, what do you do? You bring in somebody else. That's why you have a justice of the peace. That's why you have a judge. Now, you try to get somebody that doesn't have a bias. Okay. To make that decision. So then there needs to be a consideration of all the evidence. Now, what I'm outlining here is when it is right. When justice is right. There, there is an offense. Then you bring in somebody that's unbiased. Or you have to have an unbiased. Or we're going to see how this can be a problem. Right? And then you have to consider the evidence. And then you make a judgment based upon that. And you have a sentence given and fulfilled. Right? Somebody has to pay up, somebody has to go to jail, somebody has to say sorry, 
That happens in the house with kids all the time, right? It's like, okay, who did what here? All right, and it's really hard to get to the bottom of things sometimes, right? <laughs> but there needs to be a judgment made if you're gonna get a solution, right? So, so the greatest challenge then to justice is when the, uh, uh, when, when the judge becomes offended. So what happens with with the one that's determining what's right or wrong, if there's an offense in that person, and we see this in our country all the time, that you get somebody that's supposed to be making a, a judgment, a, a just choice on something, and they are offended themselves. They're biased themselves. But let's just don't point, point fingers at them. Right? This is about us today, right? That there, there is no gaining a just decision in our life, being able to perceive what's right or wrong if we're coming from a, a position of offense, okay? So it's one of the greatest challenges because what it does is you can, if you get somebody offended about somebody and, and you, can get, you can get offended, I mean, this is being stirred up, the, the, the division, the strife in our country. And I, didn't wanna, I don't want to go here because I don't want to really get into that, but, but it's so obvious, it's so real. But it can happen in our families too. If you can get somebody offended enough, they will make not just a bad decision about what happened. They'll make other bad decisions. They'll start saying things that they shouldn't say. They'll get right in somebody's grill and they'll, they'll say, why am I saying this? Why? Because I was offended in this area. And now what it does is it skews your ability to see what's right in other things. And that's why an offended judge cannot make any other decision. And that's what I told this person In the text, I'll just go ahead and use it because <laughs> if you can't make the right decision and you're offended that, that people are not being allowed to kill their babies, I'm sorry, but every other decision you make is skewed. If you're offended about that, and, and we'll see, you have to have a basis that is not, you're not making a decision based upon offense. The only reason why people can be for abortion is because they're offended by something. It's not because there's facts. It's not because there's even logic involved. It's because they're offended by something. They've been hurt by something. They feel like they have. Don't you tell me I don't have the right to do this. This is my body, my choice. What about that other body? There's no unbiased approach to it. It's offense that is skewing other things. And now what it'll do is it'll cause you to go vote on a ticket that includes other things that you would have never considered before. Why? Because your judgment has been skewed by offense. There can be no justice without an offense. There can no, be no righteous judgment without a removal of offense. Is this kind of good? Kind of interesting, isn't it? I think it'll be good for us, so, all right? Can we hang in here with me? All right. So that greatest challenge is to get a judge that is not offended, not biased in one way or another, not having experienced something that causes them to choose. Racial things are the same way. You know, I, I, I heard about, you know, racial in, in uh, social justice several years ago. We had somebody... Let, let us know that we were 
you know, needed to be corrected in, in some areas. And, I'm th- and, and so what's, what's, the, what's the end of some of these things? Everything you're doing is based upon offense. And so now what you're going to do is throw judgment upon somebody else that had nothing to do with that because of your own offense. And there's no, there's no positive uh, end to that. There, other than just getting rid of everything. That's the only way you, you fix something. Like, well, I guess everything's wrong. Well, man, I think we just lost our ability to be open-minded about anything, right? This is why, man, don't depart from God if you're going to presume to have justice. And we'll see God's perspective on this. And it's not something that leaves anybody out. It's not that somebody's going to get miss out on justice. But you don't fix injustice by causing more of it. All you've done is gotten into the position of a judge that's offended. And there's no possibility of, of justice. Okay? All right. So, so let's go to Matthew 18, 7. <clears throat> And Jesus is talking about this. He says, woe to the world because of, of offenses. Man, we are full of offenses. How many is offended today? If you don't raise your hand, you're probably a liar. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Let, let, me, let me do this real quick. Let me just, uh, I'm going to get some help with this. This is so much fun. All right. I'm going uh, to let you control this so you, you'll need to help me with it. All right, Ryan? Um, so Jesus is talking about this. He says, woe to the world. What does that mean? Man, this is going to be a tough time for this world because of offenses. For offenses come, must come. Man, you, you don't have to drive very far without getting offended. I have somebody in my family that it's hard to carry on a conversation with them when they're driving because they're getting offended the whole time in the, as they drive. All right, I won't say who that is. But but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. Okay, this would this would seem that that you we've got somebody to blame. So the woe goes to the one that did something, right? But he's not just saying that, he's actually saying the one by which the offense comes. That means to be offended, you have to receive offense. You have to take offense. Have you ever heard that phrase? Have to take take offense. That means you don't have to take offense. Right? How do we get there? There's a lot of woe with offense. There's an, in, there's an entering into a position of a judge that's offended that's going to skew your other abilities to decide what's right about things. And this is what happens a lot of times. It, we'll, we'll, we'll get offended about one thing, and so we'll just decide that we have pretty good opinions about a lot of different things. And again, I'm not wanting to use too many examples because I don't want get, <laughs> to get too obvious here. All right. All right. I'm going to have to go down a completely different road here. Just give me just a second. But um, we have an example in our relationship with God, and this is part of praising him. We have to praise him for who he is, don't we? Sometimes we just want to praise him because he's our provider. Sometimes we just want to praise him because he's our healer. 
And all these are good. He's our, he's our savior, right? But he's also our just judge. And the wonderful thing, you know, we, we talked about this a couple of years ago when this, this, uh, this virus thing first started, um, is what we need to be doing more than anything else right now is not, not coming against the devil, not coming against darkness, knowing our God, acknowledging who God is, acknowledging him. But what we looked at when we saw this is it's not enough to just acknowledge God as a just God. But when you acknowledge something about him, what makes it really revolutionary in your life is when you let it change who you are. Praising God does very little good until it changes who you are. Amen? Wow, that's really good. Say, that's really good, Pastor. That came right from the word of God, right? All right. Um, so I'm just going to get some help from these guys to, to keep this going. Um, man, technology can be good. Our, did you enjoy worship this morning, though? We didn't have our little click track. I don't know if anybody knows that. We're, we usually have this little uh, track that supports us, you know, behind and everything. And it didn't work this morning. And um, I was really battling a fence this morning. <laughs> towards the people that, that did that. And I thought, uh, I'm going to have to let go of that. Um, going to have to. And even now, I'm having more fun. Um, let me, let me uh, try one more thing. I just need my notes. Um, all right. Praise God. And my wife, uh, she already coached me on how I should have been taking care of that. But, um, and I'll not be offended by her. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> as long as she's not offended by me. All right. All right. Okay. We need, and, and this is what we're going to see. Well, all right. Since I got a little lapse in what's going on. What makes the God approach to justice work is not just justice, but mercy. It's the marriage of what's right with mercy when it's not. And God is... That's why he sent Jesus. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. But it's like we were talking about earlier. We have to avail ourselves to this. All right, I'm going to give up on it altogether. All right, I'll just let him do the next one. And, and uh, you can go ahead and put it up on there so I'll see it coming and I'll know where I'm going on that. I, I like that because, you know, I can kind of keep track of where I'm headed. But um, go to that previous one real, real quick. I, I just want to make sure I got through that. Um, no, I didn't, did I? I hadn't hit this one yet. Proverbs 29. Yeah. So when we're doing, when, you know, Jesus said there's many offenses and, and woe to the one by which it comes because there will be a reason. And when it comes to God, we, we said this already, when it comes to true justice, there is a right and a wrong and there is somebody that's going to pay. Woe to those by whom the offense comes because there will be an accounting for that. There will be an, you know, this stuff that's going on in the world right now, we could get caught up and we get scared. We get all that other stuff. You know what? It's, it's, it's inevitable. This is what people do when they're, when, when, when they're given power, when they're given the, 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 the position of judge. They, they start doing things that takes us down a direction of darkness. And the biggest thing we can do is just shine. 
You know, in our country today, well, the biggest thing we can do is shine. Let's go to Proverbs 29 here. There's one justice source, one nation under God. <laughs> that, that little phrase really means something. Multiple strive sources. Okay, so let's look at this. Many seek an audience with a ruler, but it's from the Lord that one gets justice. So a lot of times, you know, and elections matter. We need to vote right. You know, it's we're kind of where we're at now because the it's because of the population more than anything. It's it's where we've we've followed where our hearts are. It's amazing what people can vote for, isn't it? <laughs> uh, so we're looking to this place to get what we think is right, and there's really only one place that we should be looking. Because we're not going to be able to look this way correctly unless we're looking this way. Does that make sense? And if, if, there's, if there's a problem with a populace choosing somebody that is, that is so radical of, on, on so many, so many levels, the problem isn't the, the candidate. The problem is people not knowing where their true justice is coming from. And this, this next verse is kind of interesting because it would seem like it's, a, it's separated, but really it's, it's actually giving you light, even, even us. There's a temptation to get on sides and to become, become you know, vindictive and, and to become, start throwing stuff ourselves. So it says, the righteous detest the dishonest. What does that sound like? That sounds like offense, doesn't it? I don't even like the way they look. Do you like the way they look? I, I don't even. It's like, man, they just have a, f a lot of funny looking people. You know? <laughs> oh, I don't want to speak that truth too much. But, but what can happen is even as righteous, we can become offended. And in, in our righteousness, we can lose our judgment. Amen? Can you see that? And then the wicked detests the upright. I mean, that's a given, you know? <laughs> Especially when you're upright. You know that's happening all the time. You're getting a lot of that. But, but where our source comes is God alone. And we are all caught up in this. So what I'm saying is that there is, it's impossible for us to be able to make a just decision on something on our own. This says the righteous, the wicked both are caught up in offenses. There's only one source that we can go to. Amen? Let's do this next one. So there's nobody qualified to judge. Romans 3.23. Yes, all have sinned and all fall short of God's glorious deal. Don't you like that? And we're gonna, I think we're going to come back to that in, in just a little bit. But let's go right to this next uh, verse right away. Um, Isaiah says this about Christ. So what happened with Christ coming is, is he came to establish justice. And we don't really exalt justice with Jesus that much, do we? Or God. And yet this is a very real part of our everyday life that we're going through all the time. We are participants in what is just and what is right. And it's affecting our souls. It's actually affecting our belief system. Because you cannot make a just choice on what you're going to believe. Did you know that you choose what you're going to believe? It's really hard to choose what you're believing if you're in a position of offense. Can you see that? 
Because you can even, you can even judge God to be unjust. Why did this happen? Why am I going through this? Why am I not getting this? Why am I? What is that? Does that sound like somebody that's secure in their place in God? Not really. <laughs> sounds like somebody that's kind of offended. And who are they offended at? The only just God. We don't, you know, we talked about this last week. Everything isn't how it seems. There's a lot more going on than we, we know for what do we say on the, on the definition of justice? You have to get all the information, don't you? You have to get all the, the evidence if you're going to make a, a, a right choice, aren't you? Amen? How many have all the evidence when it comes to how somebody died, how, what somebody's going through? We don't know. Best to hang out with the one who is just and say, he knows stuff I don't know. What I'm not going to do is get into offense at him. Amen. Isaiah. Grandson, Isaiah. I like that little guy. Yeah. And wonderful things about Jesus coming from the Old Testament. In mercy, the throne will be established. And one will sit on it in truth in the tabernacle of David, judging. So what does it take? It takes actually mercy, a heart of mercy, not a vindictive heart, not a one, one that says, just because somebody looks a certain way, I'm already biased against them. Can you see how this takes care of a lot of the issues that we have going on? <laughs> it's true. Some people are, are misjudged, but you can turn around and do the same thing in reverse and as long as you're offended, you're not going to be in, the, in a position to make the right choice. So it takes mercy, first of all. I'm approaching this with a heart and a desire for reconciliation more than anything else. That's what mercy is, right? Somebody might have done something wrong, but boy, I'm, gonna, I'm all about them getting right. Amen? And one will sit on it in truth. What is the truth? That, that's not misinformation. <laughs> It's reality in the tabernacle of David. And what, what is he going to do? He's going to judge and he's seeking what? Justice. This is Jesus' position above us and in us. Amen? We're supposed to be operating in this. And hastening righteousness. That's what justice produces, isn't it? Things that are right. Amen? Let's get this next one. Justice from elsewhere. So this is what happens, though. When you go thinking, I can come up with something myself. When you start leaning on, on your own offense, something that you've gone through yourself, and, and, and something, somebody's offended you, here's what the tendency is, and it's a big thing that you can see going on, is the area that you are weak in yourself is the one that you begin to be offended at in somebody else. So most of the time, a lot of the stuff you hear going on, accusations about somebody, um, <laughs> there's just too many good examples going on right now. <laughs> too many good examples. But 
the area that, that, that you will be most offended by is the one that you're weakest in yourself. So uh, Romans talks about this. It says, no wonder the scriptures say that the world speaks evil of God because of you. Being a Jew is worth something if you obey God's laws. But if you don't, then you are no better off than the heathen. So he's, he's talking to what could, what could be considered a racial issue. That because the Jews were higher up, they saw themselves as able to accuse Gentiles of something and Let's go to this next one. Let's go to this next one. Um, and actually what they, they were accusing of, they're doing themselves. It makes no difference what status, what group you're in, what nationality you are, what gender you are. None of those things matter because the only thing that matters is the heart. From, but, but if you get outside of God's plan, every time you start looking at how somebody looks, their personality, some personalities just rub me the wrong way. I'm human. I already said it's impossible without him. So we've come to lean on something bigger than us. Amen? <laughs> so here's, actually, this is what I was trying to preface when we were looking at the other one. Is we will tend to impose something that we don't like about somebody Well, that's wrong in us. Onto somebody else. Let's look at Romans 2, 1 through 4 here. It says, well, you may be saying, what terrible people you have been talking about. So remember, this is coming from uh, Romans 1. And that's where he gave a whole list of like people that were like wrong. You can say, well, uh, that's wrong. They're not living too right. They're out of sorts. They got something wrong. I could be fully offended by them. I think we should lock them up. I make a judgment on them right now. They're guilty. They need to be... And that's what he's coming from. He's coming from Romans 1 where he's given a very good description of people that should be judged against. And then he gets here to Romans 2 verse 1. He says, well, you may be saying, what terrible people you have been talking about. Yeah, let's get them. What do they look like? Let's go, let's go stereotype them. Let's go. <laughs> what do they call that? Let's profile them. Let's, uh, what profile do they fit into? Let, let, let's make sure that we get the right ones, right? But wait a minute, you are just as bad. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are talking about yourself. Huh. But I thought I was in Christ and all that kind of stuff. Well, when you get offended and you start, you start throwing out accusations, you're getting into a position of not leaning on the grace of God that caused you to be able to be in his presence at all, right? For you do these very same things. And we know that God in justice will punish anyone who does such things as these. Do you think that God will judge and condemn others for doing them and overlook you when you do them too? Don't you realize how patient he is with being, being with you? <laughs> or don't you care? Can't you see that he has been waiting all this time without punishing you to give you time to turn from your sin? His kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. So the justice that God has, he's long-suffering, 
He's merciful. He's kind. And he's kind to those very same people that we would like to judge, we would like to put judgment upon. Now, I'm not saying that we, we can't have laws and we can't do these kinds of things, but where is our heart? Where is our, uh, our offense? Amen? Because you're not going to act. As soon as you start saying somebody fits into a category of, of an experience I've had in the past that, I've been, that has been wrong, and because they fit into that category, now you're in a position of being offended towards them before they ever do anything wrong. Can you see that? This is actually pretty good stuff. Because this is what you get outside of God. This is, this is where you get, and this is what we're experiencing in, in a lot of ways. And, and it's kind of perilous. It's dangerous to let yourself get into a position of saying somebody deserves judgment. And you, there's no way that you are perfect yourself. Amen? Sometimes I've thought about this. I thought, how would they even know to, to throw out this kind of accusation unless they were doing it themselves? Right? Okay. Now, this, this is good for us. We're going to get to better stuff. You, you just hang in there with me, okay? So 1 Samuel 16. So this is, where, this is where God's approach displaces that. Aren't you glad that, that, that we don't have to... This is a reality. As humans, we tend to do this. As soon as we experience a, an offense, we think we have a right to dispense a judgment or a, a what should happen for somebody. Or if it doesn't change, then, then they are put into a category of, of guilty in some way, right? So remember what happened with Samuel. And this is God's approach. Remember, uh, you know, Samuel was going to look for the king. And all the guys that looked right, all the guys that looked like they should be the king, the brothers of David, Samuel had, he, he would, he, 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 I think he even thought that they should be saying, oh, God, I'm sure glad you sent me here. This is the right one. And God would always say, no, that's not the right one. God does not look on the outside. He doesn't look at race. He doesn't look at gender. He's looking at a heart. Right. Amen? Yeah. Aren't you glad? Yeah. And, and, and because of that, I can say, God, I might not look very good. I might not come with a whole bunch of stuff, but here's my heart. I give it all. To, don't you see how wonderful this can be? Amen? That it, we, we don't get into a, a judgmental. This is, not, this is not judgmental at all. This is liberating. We're getting freed from justice that condemns and, and labels and, and discourages and disables. You know? We're getting, we're getting God's side of what justice is. If, if he's the king of it, man, we can follow him in this. Amen? Sam, uh, the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by a man's face or height, for this is not the one. I don't make decisions the way you do. Men judge by outward appearance, but I look at man's thoughts and intentions. So the right heart uh, yields God's praise. God's looking for hearts. How many have a heart here today? This is what we have the most influence over. If we can get our heart in the right place, we can follow God to his blessing, to his salvation, amen? To the righteousness that we need in our life, to the freedom, the liberty from, from bondages, from depression, from things. What is, what is wrong? It's not the situation. It's not the thing that we're offended by. It's where our heart is. 
Because you get your heart right with God. And what he does, he doesn't, just, he doesn't just give you mercy from what you've experienced yourself. He leads you into mercy. And the biggest thing that we have is not the ability to, to show what's wrong with somebody else or to find out what's wrong or, or to be a judge from a position of offense. All we're going to do is damage and destroy. He calls us to, he says, let me be the judge. If I need you to do something, I will let you know. But it will come from a position of not being offended. What you've experienced with somebody of a certain category, you, you don't look at anybody else that same way. No, you don't put somebody into that category with them. That's anti-God. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's anti-justice. A right heart yields God's praise. So Romans 2.29, this is God's approach. This is what he wants. No, a real Jew. So we saw that, that before. He said, you think you're a Jew and that you have an ability just because you have, have the law that you wear these curly little uh, sideburns, that you wear a, what do they call it, a hammock or a yarmulke? There we go. Yeah, well, there's different kinds, but but he said, you think that just because you were born Jew that you were better, and now you can judge somebody else based upon that they are just not a Jew? He said, no. A real Jew is anyone whose heart is right with God. For God is not looking for those who cut their bodies in actual body circumcision, but he is looking for those with changed hearts and minds. Whoever has that kind of change in his life will get his praise from God, even if not from you. Isn't that interesting? He said, you can take anybody, doesn't matter where they're from in the world, and they are right with God if their heart's changed. Amen? And then what happens when you get that revelation of that You've, you find out which side you are on if you start judging them. Right? How many want to be on God's side on anything? It'd kind of be like a good thing, wouldn't it? Especially when it comes to right and wrong. I'd like to be on the right side. Not the left side. No, I'm uh, sorry. That just came out. Aren't you glad that when they started making this stuff up that we were on the right side? It kind of makes it easy. Um, the Bible even talks about that in some places. Okay. Uh, so let's, let's, let's go on. Equally dependent upon a union of justice and mercy. So we've already said this, but I want to I instill this because Psalm 89, 14 says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne righteousness, what's right, what is just. Man, we, we can't know God. We can't live in him. We can't have him as our God. We can't be, uh, you know, having him live and move and have our, his being in us without coming in contact and confrontation with what justice really is and whether or not we're aligning with his heart. Amen? So righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Everything about God is whether things are right and whether they're not. That's why, man, let's don't, let's don't try to find out a loophole to get around stuff. 
Let's say, God, you, you got all of me. I'm not going to pretend to be able to have, uh, be entitled to something just because I'm a pastor's kid or, um, you know, I grew up in America or, or even because I call myself a Christian, you know? What separates me from the person that is most bound in the world that we can go out and we can say, well, they're, they're really deserving of, of hell? The only thing is the grace of God, the mercy of God. Yeah. Amen? Mercy and truth go before your face. So the foundation, righteousness and justice, and what goes before them and causes it to be effective, it's mercy and truth. This is the heart of God, amen? So this is for us today. This is not for us to just acknowledge that this is who God is. God is today. How many have heard anything I've said already? Is anything making any sense? I know we had a little hiccups here and there and whatnot. But anytime we hear, and we become responsible now, right? This is truth. This is who God is. He's not, he's not biased towards anybody. He's no respecter of persons. Amen? And what, what this can do for us we get liberated from the offenses that cause us to bring judgment on somebody. And what it, we get liberated that in that liberation is a walk of love. That sounds like love, doesn't it? Where you're no longer, you're no longer offended by anything. That's the nature of God. The love nature, amen? So, in Micah though, this is not... What, what are we commanded to do in the New Testament? Well, we don't, we don't have to do anything now. We're being freed from having to do anything at all. No, we have been. We, we've been commanded to do what? Love. You must love. Well, good. Now, I'll just sit around and have nice, rosy feelings, love, love feelings. That's not what love is, is it? Love is what we've just been talking about. I just led you down that little path. It's like you get free from offense. Now you're walking in love. You don't get to walk in love without walking in justice, in the justice of God. That's where determinations are made free from offense. Don't you like love? It frees you from those things. Amen? But we've also been commanded, and I believe this is part of the command to love, and we can go back to Micah, and it says, he has shown you, a man, what is good. Aren't you glad for the goodness of God? The things that we can run to in him that are good. But it's not just the goodness in God that we need. We need what he wants to do in us. Yeah. And he says, what, and what Je does Jehovah require of you? What does God require of us? But to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. All those things go together, don't they? Actually, you could invert that. And you could say, first of all, you're going to have to become humble and say, it's not me that has the ability or the right or the perception to be able to influence or inflict my opinion upon somebody else based upon what they've done, right? You almost have to start there. To say, God, who am I to say anything? And then from that, you could love mercy. How do we love mercy? How, how, how many are grateful for the mercy of God? Do you love that? Are you grateful for the mercy of God? 
man, we should be destroyed right now. We should, we should be burning. I don't care who you are, how wonderful you are. I mean, y'all look really great. I, I'm sure you, you know, cleaned up good and all that kind of stuff. But, but we are all desperate for the mercy of God. I love the mercy of God. Let's write a song about love. I love the mercy of God. <laughs> but you can't love the mercy of God without loving, dispensing mercy. You cannot love his mercy without love, loving, giving his mercy. Amen? As soon as you get it, it becomes something that you use. Right? And in that atmosphere, there's a potential for being. And again, I think it's impossible on our own. We have to have God to, to make any kind of judgments of what's right that's not inflicting offense or coming from offense. Can you see that? Isn't this good? All right. So we've been, I want to encourage you in this today that we have to take this on. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Amen? <laughs> and it's not just something that we're doing out of our own, but this is what we encounter. I encourage us to encounter this when we're encountering God. Yeah. Transformation of how we see things. Yeah. Transformation of what we're doing. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Resisting offense. Getting to where somebody can pull right up in front of us. And quickly what rises up inside gets squashed down by this amazing love of mercy. All right. I was just trying to wake you up just a little bit. So Christ's justice is justified and there is no offense. So let's go to Romans 3.24. What is this? Are you familiar with justification or justified? We don't just use that a lot of times in regular, you know, if we're not talking about God. But what does that mean? What, what, what is it when something's just? That's, that means that, that a justice has been done. Justice has been utilized, right? And things are right now. Why do we love mercy so much? Because what mercy does, it's the part of God that takes something that's wrong in us that deserves destruction and it says, you are not seen as that anymore. I'm removing offense completely. So what does it take to need justice? How many need justice? We've got offense, right? But what do we do? We get the complete removal this is what Jesus came to do. So what happens when somebody's offended, when an offense has happened, when justice is carried out, all the information is brought in, somebody's found to be guilty, and then what happens? Somebody is given a sentence, and somebody f fulfills that sentence. That has to happen with justice, doesn't it? Right? So for all of us, what did Jesus come to do? He came to completely fulfill the offense that we have. To say, now justice has been done. The mercy of God has been applied. Amen? Now when we receive that, we receive the work of justification. Man, this takes revelation that we have to understand that God, God the enemy all the time, he's, he's wanting to condemn us. He's wanting us to feel condemned. He's wanting to hover over us with, I can't do this because of, of something else that's happened. 
Maybe something I've done. Maybe something that somebody's done. Offense is amazing because it can be something we do or something somebody does against us, but it all has the same, and we all end up in the same place. It's judged incapable of some, in some way, right? Romans 3 says that Jesus came to fulfill the justice side of it and remove offense from us. Amen? Aren't you glad? We, we've been told that we're supposed to do this, but now we find out this is the work of the Spirit. That we can yield to the Holy Spirit. When we're, full, when we're yielding to the fullness of the Spirit, what are, we need to consciously, by faith, begin to say, I'm yielding to the work of mercy in my life. I'm yielding to the deliverance of offense for my life. And I'm no longer going to get caught up with the destructive position of a judge that is offended. <laughs> Yet now, God declares us. Don't you, don't you like what, how God approaches this stuff? He doesn't say, I declare that if you do this enough, that you are going to be. I like how God says, I already declare you healed. I already declare you righteous. I already declare you these things, right? Because yes, yes. he's a God of faith. Yes. He's not a God just of having to work to do something. It's not just by works of righteousness that we've done, but it's according to his mercy. He saves us. Amen? God declares us not guilty of offending him if we trust in Jesus Christ who, is, who in his kindness freely takes away our sins. Can we just, just take just, just a moment and just receive that justification in his presence? Lord God, I thank you. Lord, I receive that. I receive a cleansing. I receive a cleansing by the Holy Spirit of of offenses, Lord God. Things in me that the enemy would want to label me with, say, I can see you're outside. That's who you are. That's where you've been. That that This is what you deserve. And Lord, right now, by faith, we take what Jesus has done for us and we say, it's not what I look like on the outside. It's not what I've done like uh, done on the outside. It's who I am on the inside, changed by the power of God. It's my heart that's one with God right now. And I'm free from all the offenses that could be held against me. And I'm freed to walk in that same mercy. Walk in that same justice that's God. Hallelujah. All right, now let's read this one more. Romans 5.17 says, If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes? Don't you like this description? Sovereign life in those who grasp with both hands this extravagant life gift, this grand setting everything right that the one man Jesus Christ provides. What is that setting everything right? He doesn't do away with the punishment. He put it upon Jesus. He said, now it's right. Now it's right. Amen? How powerful that is. But it's not just a small thing. And, and I like how this is put. It said, who grasp with both hands what is ours in him. Amen? There's such an opportunity today in, the, in this, isn't there? To be liberated from those things. You know, anytime, 
uh, we, we get offended at all. The one that's getting hurt the most at that moment is us. You know? And if not now, down the road. Goodness. But I'm so glad that we have a just God that decided that he was going to let Jesus take all of our offenses and replace that with life. Extravagant life. But he said, you're... I'm not just going to replace it. You're going to have it whether you like it or not. You're going to have to take hold on it. It's kind of like Diana taking advantage of coming to church here. Man, she is blessed. She takes advantage. She comes to the women's things. (laughs) There's many of us that do. But everything in God that is a potential, and, and, and it's an answer for our life, but it's the answer that the world needs. Amen? We can't just say what the world needs now is love, sweet love. What does love look like? Well, this is what love looks like. Amen? The reception of justice that we do not deserve or the penalty is paid by Jesus and all our offenses are removed. And now we get life. Something that those offenses kept us from. But now we have life. Amen. Praise God. And now, we don't only just have that life. We dispense it. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. There's a river of life coming up from the inside. What is that life? That's for other people. That's other people to experience that. What this need, the, our nation is in need of right now is in repentance. Repentance from what? Making judgments that aren't from God. And choosing to walk in love. Amen? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, and pray, come unto me. Amen? Hallelujah.